Hey guys, I'm Stevie Nelson. And I'm Dave Horowitz. And this is I Burn Everything, a food and relationship podcast. Steve, we got a long one and a great one, so maybe we should get to it, huh? I think so, um, but we should also definitely warn people about the audio. <laughs> yes, uh, listeners, <laughs> we, this is, we, we, yeah, we got to address the elephant in the room. We are recording this intro after we recorded the whole episode. We have an amazing interview for you. I really, really enjoyed it. It is lengthy. It's comprehensive. It goes to a lot of really, really amazing places. And the program that we record through just could not have given us more trouble. Yeah, it's so it cut out here and there. You'll 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 understand what we're talking about as you're listening. But we wanted to salvage the episode because it was so wonderful. And our guest was so incredible. Um, He is a storyteller, an artist, a father and a performer. I was about to say, put your hands together, but <laughs> but please don't if you're driving. Um, <laughs> but if you are alone in your house, like maybe just give a round of applause. Uh, this is Joelle Leon. Great. Let's go. Let's do it. Hi, Joelle. Hi, Stevie Nelson. <laughs> how 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 are you? <laughs> uh, I am I am blessed. I'm wonderful. I am black. I am happy. Um, yeah, I'm a lot of things right now. I think in this moment, I'm. But I'm also thankful to be here. So we are that. so we are so grateful to have you. Um, and Dave's here too. Dave, don't forget. To be, <laughs> Dave, don't forget to be here. I, I look no. I, <laughs> I look, far be it for me to interrupt a moment between two friends. I know you know. I know I'm here too, and I'm and I <laughs> I am I am a new friend. But when when two people who haven't maybe uh, spoken in a little bit, you know, I I, I just. I want to make it known I'm here, but also that was a nice moment. I got to make sure to, to hop in and hop out. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being on our show. It's it's a, it's a pleasure to meet you um, and uh, and be able to talk to you across the country, which is something that our, um, our new social distancing version of our show has allowed us to do finally. I love that. And, and I think it's, it's important because far too often, what I've, not to get too much into the meat and potatoes, but I think uh, <laughs> this is a food podcast. Um, no, no, please do. <laughs> but if we're going to talk about the meat and potatoes, which I love immensely, I, um, I, I think COVID um, ha- has provided a very divine opportunity for us to learn more about each other and not really lean on having to be in front of each other in order to communicate and connect with each other, which is something I've greatly appreciated in this time. So I'm just glad to be, to, to be here. I've been, uh, eyeing the podcast for a while. So when Stevie reached out, I was like, duh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such a relief when you ask someone to do your podcast and they just respond. Yeah, of course. Because it feels like, um, so often, I mean, our podcast guests prior to all of this, were just from LA and it seems like it almost seems like people act as if it's a burden like not always but every once in a while people are like eh, yeah I guess I could I'll try and work it out and you're like like who are you you're not who you Obama you can't be yeah. like 
my thing has always been like, unless when people are like, you have to pay a certain amount of money for it for a show or they're too busy to do something. I'm like, Beyonce recorded a whole album about her husband cheating on her and made videos for each song in the course of less than a year. You got time. Yeah. yeah. You got time. And, and dropped it in the middle of the night for us because we needed yeah. it. So the least you can do is drive three neighborhoods over and come to a podcast <laughs> for an hour. Please, you can hop in your car and sit in the for traffic. I can't remember if I ever have mentioned this in the podcast before, but I'll just tell you. Uh, that album is, is, was powerful for a lot of reasons, but this was uh, in, my, in my single days. I, I was going to have um, a girl was going to come over to my, to my place that night. And that day, uh, you know, Beyonce dropped that album. And then she said, I don't know if I can come over. I have to watch this. And she watched <laughs> And then she watched the visual album and she was too angry at men. She was like, I'm not coming over anymore. And I was like, wow, that's, that's power, Beyonce. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That, that is the power of Bay. And, and, you know, like, I think a lot of relationships probably broke up during that period of time. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know if that's the same person you're with now, David. But <laughs> it yeah. is not. You see, there you go. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You know? I remember. I remember when that album came out. I I did cancel my. I did cancel stuff to listen to it and to watch the video. See? Like I remember being like, "Sorry, I I can't do anything." Yeah, <laughs> it's like I remember. I didn't have. I think it premiered on HBO. I didn't have an HBO account, so I was just scrambling to find like the bootleg illegal version that I could watch online, which I finally did. And oh, yeah. it was HBO. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wasn't gonna pay, however much money. For, I think they actually were doing trial. They were doing a free trial. That's what they were doing. So you yeah. could sign up, which I did, and then I canceled it right on the seventh day, just like when. <laughs> well, no, that was sweet. But, um, you know, the idea of like, yeah, I need to see this now. Like, this is like a moment. I don't, and like other artists have tried to replicate the moment, but it just hasn't, it just hasn't been the same at all. Yeah. That was a no. moment. No. no one can compare. I think she's she's just sort of in a category of her own, which is, incredible i don't think i don't think there's any other artist i care enough about to stop everything and watch for sure for sure the only other person i care about in that regard would be a jay-z honestly and that's a lot of like yeah. new york upbringing like being a, an avid fan of hip-hop and also being an mc but like jay's the only other person i would pay also an exuberant amount of money to go see like uh i'm not paying i'm not paying more than 50 dollars for a ticket unless jay-z and a prince hologram are coming back yeah <laughs> that would be worth it for sure also i i that that i think would bring me out of uh you know i i personally am not clamoring to get back into restaurants and concert venues i do feel as though it's maybe not we're not ready yet and whatever the whatever our mayors may tell us i'm not sure if i believe but if if you were hyping a a, 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 jay, a jay-z prince hologram and uh <laughs> and maybe a beyonce cameo and let's throw yeah. in yeah you know if we could get a, a if we could get a, a bowie and maybe al green hologram cameo in the encore yeah, yeah. i mean honestly, if i'm being completely honest i think i need i think i need prince to jump out of his casket for this <laughs> i need this prince's corpse in order for me to like i'm like times are hard i'm not paying i need to be Prince's Corp. I need to see Paul Robeson. I need to see fucking Aretha Franklin. 
their bones and skeletons on stage with Jordan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right now. No, hol- no holograms, just literal no. bones. I need to see their casket. <laughs> the casket isn't on stage. I'm not, I'm not coming to the show. Like, what's the point? You know what I mean? We start... We start pitching that instead. We're like, yeah, you guys have your like 3D holograms. We will actually roll the caskets out and you can, we'll open the caskets for you guys to see everything. Let's start the video when I'm digging up the casket. Like, I want to see, <laughs> I need to know that it's the real corpse. Like, if it's not Prince, you know what I'm saying? If he's not in a velvet suit, either that or Dave Chappelle playing Prince on stage with uh, Dave. I would yeah. also, yeah, for sure. Uh. A right? true dream, a true dream. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would break. I would break all my rules. Like I haven't seen many people right now, and I would, I would violate all sorts of social distancing rules for that. <laughs> I'll put all types of. I'll put my health at risk. Yeah, yeah. I'll put my health and other people's health at risk. I've. Have you been tested at all for um, COVID, Joel? No, and I am afraid to because that pole is as long as a javelin. And I do not want to do that, but I feel like I should because I'm planning on going because, you know, my 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 oldest daughter, Lila, is in Houston right now. Mm-hmm. And so my plan is to go see her in July because I haven't been I haven't seen her since January because of COVID. Oh, my gosh. That's so long. Yeah. 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 So but I know I can't go unless until I put that very long whatever that thing is into my nostrils in order to see whether or not I had it or have it. Um, but no, I have not been tested yet. Have you? Have you or Dave at all been tested before? Yeah, I've been tested twice now. Um, once was a blood test, which is interesting. And then the other was the other day at Dodger Stadium. Um, they do free testing. And it was just like a mouth scrape. Oh, wow. What? You see? I know. And other people are having to put like, you know, that whatever that stick thing is directly yeah. up their nostril. And I had none of that like i i got i really lucked out but i've been negative both times which i'm grateful for but also like man it would have kind of been nice to have the antibodies (laughs) (laughs) please elaborate why why would (laughs) well if i had the antibodies it would Uh, mean that that i'm like mm -hmm. safe to kind of roam I, I feel like there's less fear around getting it. Like, I don't want to get it because I don't know, um, you know, they don't know what the long-term side effects are. But, man, if you've already had it and you have the antibodies, you, there's just less fear around, I think, attra- like, getting it. Yeah, you know I mean? that's actually a good point. Yeah, I was giving you flack for it, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. I was giving you a lot of attack, right, yeah. Yeah, you know, just like you want the antibody so that your body can fight it. But I mean, you don't want the virus. But yeah, I was just hoping that I had the antibodies. Is Dave still here? <laughs> I don't I think don't he know. is. Oh Dave isn't here. Dave, where did you go? Wait, let me check. <laughs> is Dave, Dave still here? Dave what? is flatlined. His, his, <laughs> um, oh no, I wonder what's happening for him. I hope I hope he's fine. Wait, he said, "Can you not hear me?" No. Oh no, Dave. No, we can't, bro. We and can't his thing hear is showing. You. Oh, look at that. Yeah, you're definitely right. It's flat. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh oh, we might have to start this again. Hold on, we'll see if Dave's the ZenCaster. Every Come once back, in a while, Dave. we'll have a glitch. <laughs> Come back to us, Dave. <laughs> I wonder what happened. Maybe he's muted. <laughs> 
he's, this he's whole, t- he's, this whole episode will just be us being, come back, he, Dave, we miss you. Oh, he's working keep on talking. It. I'm working on it. No problem. Okay. All right. Well, cool. Um, so is Lila five now? Lila is four. Going on, she'll be five in November, okay. which is going to be really exciting. That's an exciting age. Five is so cute. I can't believe you haven't seen her yeah, for, for that long. Yeah, Steve, it's been, it's, it's, you know, it's interesting because I try not, I'm trying not to dwell too much about it, but like, this is the first, mm. um, be the first Father's Day that I haven't spent with her physically, which is a little mm. weird for me. Um, yeah. You know, like, co-parenting in, in the situation I think I've been blessed with has been very interesting because there was a, there was definitely a point of contention in, in like, in, 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 I was scared, really, like recognizing yeah. that like her mother felt she needed to move in order for her and for like her own personal growth, which I completely yeah. understood. Yeah. With, with the birth of Wes, my second child with my partner now and being like this, as difficult as, it, as it's been for me to deal with not having Lila here, it, it was very difficult for me to imagine a world in which I was commuting, because I was commuting back and forth when I was still living in the Bronx at the time. Yeah, I So remember. commuting two and four, right and like having to do that while coming back to Brooklyn if that would have been the case with West and being a partner being a dad and like having to juggle that responsibility without Lila staying with us would have been a lot of work work that I know I would have been able to do but would have been incredibly stressful in my body and spirit so yeah the timeliness of it I think something I've been kind of just trying to like engage with and be very honest about like it's also been uh, a blessing in that way because I don't know if I would have been able to devote the kind of time that Wes needs and requires as an infant um yeah. without yeah, us a living, lot without right you know so yeah but what but five is a I, you know Lila at four is I mean you know Lila at three was awesome Lila at four is awesome like Lila at any age is always awesome but you know, she's excited to become five. Like she thinks hmm. she's gonna be like an for some reason. <laughs> it was like, you don't wait, you need to slow down, man. Because <laughs> there's a whole lot of prince corpses that you're gonna have to deal with. Once you yeah, get, you're gonna have get, to see way too many little corpses of people we really like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A lot of corpses and like like I think about that with my mom. My mom is going to be, I think, seventy three on Sunday. I think my oh, mom wow. is old as yeah. So like we're celebrating her birthday on Saturday in the Bronx. You know, I'm in Brooklyn. And so a very small gathering of us are going to be heading over to our apartment. And what I've been thinking about um, is like how much my mom has had to deal with grieving at this age because she's losing people who are who are oh. around her, who she's known. Right. And like what that means for her as far as like how old she's getting and and aging and we don't talk about that enough i I think no about the grief and and i know you know and 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 i know you've been dealing with grieving on your own terms and yeah it's hard it's hard for us because we tend to not want to talk about death when it's like death is one of the things that is a, a constant always you know um like my mom talked about death all the time she still does you know, like I know what my mom's paperwork is, like for when she passes away. Like I know what her insurance looks like. Like my mom has been very clear about us wow. talking about death in the open to the point I'm very comfortable with it. 
You know, I think I get more, yeah, I get more fearful about me leaving than I get of other people leaving. Um, Because I feel like I'm missing out. Like, that's my biggest thing, like missing out on people. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like FOMO, but of of other people's lives. I, same. I I feel, I think I feel the same way. Like, I'm not comfortable with death because my parents talked about it. I love that your mom talked about it. I think that's so healthy. And I think it makes for like um, a, a kid who has a good perspective on life rather than everyone being so fearful of the thing, like as if it's chasing us, you know? Um, uh-huh. But my my parents are not super into talking about death and they're very weird about illness and but oddly, I think mm-hmm. as a um, reaction to that, I'm 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 very comfortable with death. I've read a lot of books about death, and I know it's part of life. I and and grieving is weird. You're very right. Grieving is such a strange thing. We don't talk about it much, and also we um, we definitely don't talk about how long it lasts. Like we act mm-hmm. as if after someone dies, we check in on people for the first few weeks, and then after that, we're just like. Hey, do you want to go get ice cream? You know, like as if nothing had ever happened. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So strange. That's, that, it is. It is, and it's it's what what I what I do appreciate. I mean, I think this might be a little weird to say, but what I appreciate about the bereavement process is that it's not linear. No. You know, like we when we look at stages of bereavement and grief, you know, like I can't remember the seven stages completely, but we tend to, as human beings, bounce around. Like, we don't go one through seven. It's like, there's like the realization of it. There's 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 the acceptance. There's mm-hmm. denial. There's all these other stages that we kind of go through. And it's and for every person, it's different. And yes. I think that's what I do appreciate about that because I think that also lives very much in the truth of how we show up in every circumstance as human beings where, like, our processes are very different. Than, 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 oh, or differ to, to a certain extent from other people and having to create space for that. Because I see that a lot now when we talk about COVID and how people are dealing and healing. Yeah. And I would love for us to create more space in room, right? To, to like be accepting yeah. of where people are showing up in that space for themselves. Well, you know? and I feel like you've been so good at um, vocalizing. Um, I feel like you've been so good at vocalizing that like through your poetry about how everyone's processes for dealing with everything are different and that leaving space and, and giving people the grace to process on their own terms, on their own time, incorporating like self care into that. It feels like you have a real um, space for that, but it does seem like a lot of people have everyone is doing it differently. And it does seem like a lot of people think that there's some sort of prescription for doing these things correctly. When, why would there, why would there be when we don't do anything else like that? We don't, we don't do anything else like that. I love that. Yeah. But, but I think we do a poor job. First of all, thank you, Stevie, because uh, part of my work for me has been um, creating space for everyone to show up in their process, regardless of that is, if that is how they're showing up for Black Lives Matter, how they're showing up for COVID, how they're showing up just for themselves. And granted, I can't speak for the Black community. I can't speak for anybody else that's dealing with the loss of a loved one or a partner or a job, right? Like, because I think grieving lives outside of just 
the physical loss of a person, but the physical loss of, 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 a, of a situation and what that represents for us um, at, at the moment of loss. And, and for me, it's, it's just been really important to recognize that, again, we are all at different stages of this and we're all at different stages of healing. And I'm at a different stage of where I was in response to my healing than I was maybe, you know, five, 10 years ago. I'm 37 now. And the experiences that I've had as a Black man, as a father, um, as, as, a, as a storyteller, right, as an artist and a human being, I think have, have allowed me the grace that I can offer both to myself and others, right? Because I think yeah. that's what's really going to be important to get us to a place where we can have more meaningful and intentional conversations, not just about grieving, but also about life and how we show up for each other within our own processes, you know? Yeah, that is so beautiful. Hey guys, Stevie here. Just wanted to say, hey, why don't you contact us? You can email us at iburneverythingpod at gmail.com or you can even call our hotline and leave a message, 213-458-5236. It's 213-458-5236 and we may even talk about your message or email on a future episode. So get to it. I call myself a recovering rapper because how I got my start uh, and really where I was cutting a lot of, I was cutting a lot of my teeth um, was primarily in the underground hip hop circuit here in New York. And, uh, um, you know, and I still, I haven't recorded music since maybe 20, the tail end of 2014. The top of 2015 is when I released my last musical project, but hip hop was very much deeply rooted. I mean, and it still is really in the work that I do, except the work is a little different now. The work shows up in the poetry and the affirmations and, and, and then like the workshop facilitation and the conversations I get to help um, lead um, involving like love and empathy, blah, 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 blah. But like hip hop has kind of always been in the center of that. Like how I talk, how I show up in the world, how I show up in the community is very much steeped in like hip hop vernacular. And Jay-Z is my favorite poet by far. Mm. Or one of my favorite poets next to Toni Morrison. Um, and, uh, yeah, so. Recovering rapper is still very much uh, uh, a uh, accurate term to describe how I show up in the world. I I, I like I I really I really like that. I mean, it, it's funny because it's it's it was a it's a striking phrase. It's just like it's not something you hear a lot. And then also just to hear that answer, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I uh, I'm I'm from the East Coast. I'm uh, 36, and so I had um. You know, I had my, and we, I talked about it a little bit on the show, but there's, uh, you know, I don't, I can't uh, speak too much to it because I didn't, I, I wasn't steeped in it as, as, as heavily, but I identified as the, as the, the recovering uh, white East Coast Jewish hip hop kid. So I, <laughs> I was was the kid on like the, the, the okplayer.com message board yeah. and the, oh, and, uh, and, yeah. I and, and I was friends with those kids. I, I know yeah. I love those kids. It's <laughs> <laughs> it just, you know, arguing like, oh, reasonable doubt's the best one. Oh, I don't know, man. Blackout <laughs> just came. It was, it was very, um, it's, it's just such a, but, but I think something that, that, that's consistent carried over. It really is. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I think Jay-Z for being, I think in his fifties now, I just, to see someone transcend and not just, um, not just musically, but I just, it's such a beautiful 
I don't know. If it, 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 to me, I, I saw an evolution there and went, oh, he's now he is a, an absolute powerhouse. And seeing what that represents with, uh, I mean, we were joking about, um, uh, you know, Beyonce writing an album about about him and dropping it in the middle of the night. But just even like from that to the the Solange elevator video, like the the, the impact across all genres and all mediums is uh, is kind of unbelievable down to down to just pictures with with them and the obamas and and i think you know i think you bring up something that's super important um because i didn't you grew up in the, in the community of hip-hop and you never really imagined your artists getting old like we it just and i i don't really know how to di- dissect that appropriately but like jazz artists are allowed to get old blues artists rock artists especially right big jagger is 212 <laughs> I looked it up. I saw his birth certificate. He's definitely three hundred, and yet still groping microphone poles as if he's twenty five. And we never, we we never really thought, or really, really had the opportunity uh, as hip hoppers, and specifically speaking as a black man who grew up and and, and was entrenched in the hip hop community. You never imagined your icons getting old, you know. But Jay Z, I mean, when I listen to basically his joint album with Jay Electronica um, that, that came out recently this year. Jay-Z's rapping as well as he was maybe on his on the American Gangsta album. And it's it's a testimony, I think, to the growth of hip-hop. But I also think to your point, what you're bringing up, Dave, is the growth of the community, of the hip-hop community, and being able to see a, you know, Pusha T was at the White House, right? I mean, before mm-hmm. you know, Satan took over. And so, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting for me to see the evolution to what you're speaking of of hip hop, and and the, uh, the the ability of hip hop to transcend not just the culture but conversation, and how hip hop gets to show up, you know, where it's more than just the music. Hip hop is very much a culture. Like when you talk about an OK Player, I love that because that speaks to the culture of hip hop and not just the music. OK Player very much disseminates from the space of like the Quest Loves of the world and who created OK Player as a community for the hip hop, for hip hoppers and really the backpack as kind of community, right? Like if you were listening to Most Def and Black Star, and if you had every single raucous record album known to man, that was kind of like the lyricist lounge. Like that was the community that was showing up for OK Player. Um, but that was a culture that, that, that lived outside of just the music, but it also, it was an, a form of identity for a lot of folks. Um, it's, it's yeah. magical. Yeah, uh, it felt. Yeah, I, I mean, and and uh, and it's. I don't know if I mean utopia is a word that comes to mind, but also it's like I think this does speak to the you know immense privilege that that I've been you know granted. But when I just because going from being like a teenager in in the late nineties and early two thousands and frequenting those message boards and going to those shows and going to get to see you know hieroglyphics and like a small club in in uh-huh. Boston and then yeah. and then seeing you know yeah rappers go to the white house it's like um i i, I will say that I, I think it this might speak to a lot of uh you know like people who do uh, immensely dislike our current president but i do think there is a disproportionate mm-hmm. amount of people who think that uh this not that this started with with the newest 
president who took office four years ago. <laughs> I, li- I like that I don't want to say his name because I feel like I'm going to burst into flames. But, uh, yeah, but not, we can't on this podcast. We just refuse. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 what I was, I'm saying is that I think that the moment that we're all living in, it is very sort of uh, I think a lot of people are being I mean, I and I'm speaking of white people, obviously, but I think we are being uh in reintroduced to our our biases and our blind spots because i think there were a lot of people who thought wow we have a black president wow he has taste he's he he speaks to us as if we're people and again you know he he wasn't perfect but no president is perfect but just the real the the moment that we kind of all got collectively sucked out of was i think our our collective complacency like as Mm -hmm. as white folks for so for somebody who who was like i mean i never said this but the vibe being like how could i be racist i own the for i own every black star record like you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> but it's like that's not a free pass and that's not showing up and doing the work it is it is knowing a bunch of lyrics to to some songs and 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 it's and it's just it's i don't know i think i think the collective waking up of, I, I mean, I wish people who have way more hate in their hearts than people like I'm describing do would, I th- I wish they would wake up a little bit more, but I, I think for myself, it's like kind of getting shaken by the shoulders by your own unconscious bias and going like, Hey, it's really not enough. And maybe it's okay that it's not enough if you can understand that. And now it's actually time to do the work, which is what's been a little bit, uh, it's kind of the saving grace for me the the last uh, little while because I I feel like change can happen if you know how to uh, both do the work and also stay in your lane. So that's that's how it's been feeling for me. I think that's so important and and, and poignant in that because a lot of I mean and, and and I can speak I feel like I can speak honestly. I think that there was a certain level of complacency and not necessarily in the black community because we we've always been kind of aware of the trumps of the world but i think for me especially there was this idea that america can't be this far gone and i recognize very clearly that social media has created somewhat of a bubble and actually let me take that back i think that bubble always existed outside of social media like when we look at lunchrooms right and like how segregated those tend to be school zones and how they're segregated, whether that be by, oh, granted, it's never by happenstance, but the, the the idea that we can go to social media and talk within our circle groups of friends and folks whom we follow and who share our ideals and values and go, we wouldn't be this, in, we wouldn't be this wild to actually nominate and vote for this mm-hmm. person as president, where there are folks in Bumblefuck wherever who are like, yep, this is it. This is our president. We need. To, I'm so glad he's here because he's racist, and I love mm-hmm. it. And he allows me to be racist without me being overtly racist. Um, and 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 I think he's become a mouthpiece for that energy. And yeah. folks saw themselves in him very much in the way folks saw themselves in Obama. There's a large swath of the white population that I think saw themselves and those who are honestly who are white passing or POCs even who were able to look over what. Trump was saying and saying, oh, he's talking about things that I've probably been saying out loud to people in my corner. And he's also big business. And he's not like every other president who's in politics. He's a businessman. 
even though all his businesses have essentially been bankrupt. Like, whatever. Uh, it, it created an opportunity, I think, for folks to, and I think what's been happening is the unraveling, the unraveling of the fallacy that is American and American democracy, which has been upsetting, but also very enlightening for me because it's like, to be fair, like this is the shit we're seeing is the shit that black folks have been seeing that we've been forced to see for generations because it has been somewhat of our duty to examine whiteness from the perspective of being black. Because mm-hmm. having to do that is essentially has been able to save our lives in that way. When we look at being our, our history of enslaved peoples and what that means, um, and and from the way we show up in the world to the food we eat, you know, like Michael Twitty did a, wrote an excellent book about the history of food and tracing it all the way back to essentially like not just enslaved peoples here in the Americas, but the peoples who were brought to the Americas and how some of those foods still show up on soul food tables, how those foods show up in American cuisine, spices, mm-hmm. whatever the case might be. Um, and so much of what we've tried to disassociate ourselves with the history of America is deeply rooted in blackness and also our distrust and our disavowal of blackness, which has been very interesting to see and see it come come to pass very much so during during this presidency. So oh, oh did Dave dip out again? Um, no, I'm st- no no oh, oh no wait oh, did I no we you- are all oh. we are all just stunned to silence I think <laughs> <laughs> okay here's Wow. And honestly, what if I, what if I, if I'd cut out, I would have said in the chat, please just keep going. That was too good. I I'm sick of, I'm, (laughs) it's it's so, I mean, God, I, I I hate dealing strictly in metaphor, but imagine just uh, a a great episode like this consistently being derailed by a white man. You, you love to see it. Oh my God. We just, we just immediately are like, Hey, Joel, we would like to prove your point a little further. Oh my god. That was um that was so so beautifully put. And I don't have anything to add. I just am like, wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but but I think part of the work and like what, what I appreciate, um, and it's something I hope I was hoping we get to talk about, but you know. Stevie, like you allowing me the opportunity to utilize your artwork for the audience that is listening. Like a lot of the work that I've been doing, whether it be affirmations or the poetry, which I have to make a distinction between the two for people because people tend to think like when I'm affirming or using phrases and in terms of phrases that essentially are about empowerment and uplifting, it's very different than me playing with language. Um, Mm -hmm. And I get it affirmations can feel like that but my poetry is very different and the poetry tends to live in my ig stories and a lot of that art that i've been able to use as the kind of foundation and background for the affirmations and poetry has been with the help of stevie and who i love and appreciate so much and i think whether it be this podcast that 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 you and, and dave have so um generously allowed me to, the the platform to speak on a lot of the when, when we ask allies whether you're a white ally or a person of color how do you show up right and it's like it's doesn't it's we, we've conflated it to be this very big thing of like you having to stand in the front of the line when folks are protesting which help which is important right but it's just as important to support black art it's just as important to 
make meals or create a safe space for the community to show up in, um, to spread the message or to essentially to rest from protesting or to just rest from abuse, whether it be in the household, their own household, from the workplace, from the world, because Trump, um, like allyship gets to show up in many different ways. And what I appreciate about the art and what the art has allowed myself and Stevie to do really is to have a conversation about blackness and about allyship in a way that kind of lives outside of the very tangible means in which we discuss it, you know? Um, so thank you for that. I mean, thank you for letting me be a part of it. It's been, it's been such a pleasure to be able to show up in a way that mm -hmm. utilizes like something I think is so wonderful is that it utilizes both of our gifts and yeah. and it's like I get to give you my gift and as a result then I get to see your gift literally like on top of mine do you know what I mean like there's something so beautiful about being able to use any of that like for me using art to boost a black voice is a dream that's a dream come true like that's what I would hope my art does. You know, I would hope, I would hope that it stands for something. I know, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. It's been such a pleasure to collaborate with you and to send you like little paintings here and there. And, you know, it's been so wonderful. Yeah. I, no, go on, Dave. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask uh, uh, if I could, <laughs> if I could uh interject i just well it's it, i'm 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 uh, moved by the conversation but i i was wondering and i thought we'd get to it uh if you would share how, how you two came to know each other because we were saving it for the air <laughs> I, I think i mean it's weird because stevie and i we're not weird i mean i said it's not weird at all but like stevie and i have never met physically in person i actually never. and stevie and i actually haven't had a face we haven't had like a FaceTime conversation. We haven't had a, uh, like any of that. This is, it's literally been an exchange of either voice notes or DMs or, and this has been going on for, I want to say, I mean, Lila is four now. I mean, I want to, I mean, I could be guessing wrong, but I want to say at least three years. At yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah at, I yeah. think at least she was just a baby. And yeah. And honestly, Joelle, I don't really... How, how did you initially uh, find each other? I mean, we definitely m met through Steve? Instagram, but I actually don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And I think and it, and it's probably, and it's one of those things where it's... It, and it might have actually been Twitter. Or maybe it was Instagram. I don't know. It might have been... I don't know. It, it's one of those things where I feel... I feel like if I'm guessing correctly, it probably was what probably happened, which tends to happen. It's either someone retweeted me. It came into your periphery. You might have liked it or re and or retweeted it. I saw that because at that, especially at the time when I didn't have many followers, it was a lot easier for me to like see who was liking and retweeting stuff and then immediately going to their page and saying, yeah. oh, this is a person I'd like to engage with. I'm going to follow. And I feel like that's what probably happened, which is like, Wait. you may have liked or retweeted something. And that's exactly whatever. what happened. What? I just, I just looked up our first Twitter message and it was in 2017. Oh, so it's been three years or three years at least. And I wrote to you. Wow. 
my best friend and I now quote you saying, trim the fat star. We love your poetry. Oh, wait, let me. I remember. I remember that um, tweet. You said something about trim it. Like you literally use the phrase trim the fat star like comma star. And I, I was like, Oh my God, dream. And I messaged, I just straight up messaged you. <laughs> oh, I love it. Hey, wait, see somebody, see someone, I don't know who this other person is because they're, um, they're, they don't have a, they, the tweet that they sent, um, their <laughs> username, they either deleted it or whatever, but <laughs> But no, but like I use trim the fat star. It's and trim the fat, of course, like being like there are things that we don't need that we can yeah. get rid of. And I was using star a lot in that, in, 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 in that space. 2017. Wow, yeah. Like about, yeah, because like for me, it felt like about three years ago. It was. Do you want to know, want to know something else you asked me on that same day when you wrote back and you were really like gracious? You asked me what's for lunch. <laughs> Look. <laughs> he wrote what's yeah. for lunch which is so that, funny why did I, look wait now i see now i'm going through all these this is really <laughs> funny I'm going, I'm going through so like see because trim the fat and what's for lunch and now you are on our food and relationship podcast know, so it almost was like it was meant to be it was destined that is so wild and like that's really cute <laughs> people don't people that don't know you can um like if i search if i'm on twitter i can search if i put my handle and let's say stevie's handle in um in the search box then it'll just pull up all the conversations i actually did that recently when we i mean when we talk about grieving um a a very uh, a very dear person that was loved by the community jazz waters um who 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 lost a life um Mm. uh about a or so ago, um, death death by suicide. Um, Jazz and I had a lot of lot of conversations via Twitter, and Ugh. it was just nice to be able to search and see the 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 the, the back and forth that we had, and also see the growth of our relationship. Because a lot of the beginning relationship between Jazz and myself was like me trying to get on her radar and like her not paying attention to me, and then us like. <laughs> and then me finally being on her radar and then actually having conversations, which was really sweet. She um, was so, so, so beloved. I, I, um, I, I had very fleeting interactions with her, but I, I have some friends who worked with her on the last television show she wrote with, uh, she wrote on and just seeing a, such an outcry of, of support. I mean, she just seemed like such an amazing person, but she meant a lot to, you know, a few people yeah. that I knew and to see, and, and I think Joel, to your point, uh, you know, and obviously the the story of you with Stevie is has has doesn't have a, a a tragic end like like the one like this one we're discussing does, but the fact that you can sort of, um, I mean, I think it speaks to the movement we're living in now, where it's not just if you film something that s- someone say a law enforcement officer wouldn't want. Uh, the public to see it can be viewed by millions of people it's that it's you can share your art you can share your ideas and also i mean i I think that there's a lot of people struggling right now to comprehend the moment we're living in and it's not just covid and it's not just uh uh, police brutality and it's not just i mean it's obviously it's everything and it's and it's all combined but i think that 
I've never fully comprehended what a tool it is because the fact that, I mean, the reason we Stevie and I even have a podcast is because one day she tweeted years ago, I, I'm thinking about doing a, a one woman show about how I can't cook and I'm bad at dating called I Burn Everything. And then I replied to it and said, that sounds like a podcast. And then she said something like, will you Wanna be my co-host? co-host? That is great. And, also, and now, yeah. It's also very sad, Stevie. I know it's terribly sad and it really hasn't improved much, but (laughs) neither aspect entirely. Um, But there is something I will say for me, I know people talk a lot of shit about social media and how bad it is and how bad Mm -hmm. it makes them feel. And for me, social media has been an incredible way to connect. Mm -hmm. Like Dave and I would not have the relationship we have. You and I, Joelle would not have the relationship we have. And like, to me, it's been such a connector and such a, like, I also learn from it. I feel like I've read more things in the past three weeks um, that have been so informative and helpful and educational than ever before. It's a, to me, it's a powerful tool. Yeah, I, I love, I mean, and I think it's, it's it's really all about discernment and discernment, discernment <clears throat> empathy, intention. Though Those are some of my favorite words. Um, carry, I've been trying to carry over to 2020. And a lot of that is because, you know, you, you, we get to, cre- we get to create our realities and outside of those who suffer from some level of a chemical imbalance, right? Like that potentially may or may not need some level of like psychotropic medications. Like if you're suffering from extreme PTSD or manic episodes of bipolar disorder, like we, the per- people who can't fully function and recognize like what like and discern between reality and what like what what exists outside of that for them anyway like mm-hmm. for those of us who don't have that as potentially as like a, a as an issue or disability we get to create our reality and a lot of the times when i see folks complaining about social media i'm like who are you following who are you following and what are you what are you engaging with my feed generally if something comes up in my feed whether that be twitter or instagram if it's something that I don't like, doesn't sit well with my spirit, it's because somebody else, somebody else, or somebody else shared it, and then it wound up in my in, in my feed. And then I had the choice of I, I can, like I've muted Trump, I've muted people, like I don't engage with like the Candace Owens of the world, the Ben Shapiro's of the world. Like mm-hmm. I don't engage with the content. I don't try to retweet them back mm-hmm. and have a conversation because they're not trying to have a conversation. They're trying to incite. Um, violence, really, um, violence of the of the mind and the spirit against marginalized people. My work has been how do I engage and share space with like the Stevies of the world, with the Brittany Packnets of the world, with the Jamara Burleys of the world, with people who I care about, who I love, and who are also my friends, who are also doing revolutionary anti-racist work, but who also, even if it's folks who are just there for like just for fun, like when you see an Instagram feed and it's like just for fun. Um, you know, I, I, you know, like, hey, great, okay, cool. Um, like, it's also about having a balance of those things, and then also checking. Like, I've been very clear for me. You know, there there are folks who have kind of tried to go back to whatever normal was on their feeds, and I'm not really about that. I think what needs to be normal, what needs to be normalized, is the work that we're seeing now. Like when I go when I go to Stevie's feed, Stevie is is, is talking about. The work that she's doing, she's still engaging her community, but she's also trying to trying to show up in a way that's showing support 
for the community, for the Black community, and for a person who's looking at ways to further anti-racist knowledge. And I think the more we can align ourselves with the fact that we get to be advocates for social justice while also showing up in ways that allow us to have joy and to have fun and have love, but making anti-racism an actual part of our existence changes the world in slight and small ways. But a lot of folks who are complaining about social media are folks who haven't been utilizing it properly, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like, I, I like also what you speak about a lot. You speak about being able to do both. Like the thing of you can engage in joy and you can engage in sharing anti-racist, um, whatever, it, whatever it looks like, action, whatever it looks like for the, the day. It's interesting because there are so many voices right now, and I don't know if you've noticed this, and this is this is in my feed, that are like, you know, shaming people for doing it wrong, telling us how that there's only one way to do it right. And it's mm-hmm. it's a very hard thing for me to read right now because it feels um so limited. Yeah. Yeah. It feels you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the- it- I, I noticed, Joel, that one of the things Stevie shared with me of yours that I really appreciated was just just about checking in with yourself. And it was, you know, based the one that started with, are you drinking water? And it was it was a list of stuff that I think a lot of people maybe really do take for granted in their lives. And I think that there is such a I mean, I you know, I, I, I it can't just be me who sees it, but I think that there is such a clear line of demarcation between uh making sure that you are checking in with yourself to the point where you are okay and that you're not uh doing yourself harm with the amount that you're engaging with with this material as in you have to drink water you have to go outside for a little while etc and the con- and and so i think that that is one thing and then the concept of quote unquote allyship fatigue where i'm seeing people policing each other and other people being like, Hey, I think I'm feeling a little bit burnt out. What about you white people? And it's like, guys, no, <laughs> what? Like, and it's, and I don't think you're, I'm not, you're not, it's, it's not, we're not trying to win extra brownie points by being like, Hey, that's clearly bad. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me to insert yourself into a part of a conversation if it's going to seem like that. And I think that there is a way to convey the fact that you feel potentially overwhelmed because I'm sorry, like no matter what kind of material you're engaging with, if you watch six dozen upsetting things, or if you, you know, I I think, uh, you know, 70 Candace Owen tweets in a row is going to make your brain turn into, into mushroom soup. But, but you, and maybe you got, maybe you got, I just want to say, I I did that the other day and it was such Mm -hmm. a mistake. It was such a, I ended up blocking her because I was like, I can't look at this. I blocked Trump. I was like, I can't look at these. It. I went down a hole one day and I was like, this is damaging. And yeah. And, and here's the thing. And, and, and Dave, I want you to continue because I think you're making some very valuable points. I, I just, there's a difference between opinion and just like racism and, and prejudice. <laughs> and I think we've gotten to a point where, and I mean, Trump is a brilliant orchestrator in that way. I mean, is because the idea of because what he's been able to do essentially is he's like the kid who keeps yelling the thing over and over in the playground and to the point that you just kind of believe him because he keeps yelling it. Yeah. Um, and so, like when he's fake news, fake media, fake news, fake media, to the point where 
we're having actual conversations about racist, prejudiced rhetoric and whether or not that's opinion. And it's not opinion. It's it's not like <laughs> it's not like oh man, we want rights, but well, we want to hang you from trees. Like that that doesn't work. It's not that's not how this works. And Trump and and his lot have made it so that a Candace Owens has a platform, and they get mm-hmm. to try to lean in on freedom of speech as a way to spew like things that are essentially killing people. Like this yeah. is language, and th- and this is rhetoric that is harmful to people because it re it, it it reinforces the idea that the black community is is just being dramatic or those yes. yeah. side of social justice are just you know too are sensitive liberals and it's like nah dog we just want everyone to be able to live and breathe without dying you know yeah. Abs- absolutely the, the the rhetoric i mean that's the thing you can I think that these smirking, I mean, the smirking, the smirking hate speech, I think is, and, and whatever, I'm not, we're, we're not, we don't need to get into a, 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 a hypothetical pissing contest between outright white supremacy speech and, uh, and, and smirking uh, uh, deep conservatism where you're like, well, what's, what's worse, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hitler or Tucker Carlson, but it's like, I don't know, man, you, raise it, raising an eyebrow and going like, well, are these black people complaining a little too, or, or like yeah. I, I, yeah. what you, what you said about, um, uh, uh, you know, these liberals are being dramatic. It's, and to me, I, it's this bizarre, like people are getting, murdered in the streets and some people who are using their platforms to and, and monetizing them to, to incite hate but under the guise of hey i'm just hey i'm playing devil's advocate here on facebook hey i'm just using my youtube show to just to stir up a little con- healthy conversation man and it's yeah. like hey you know when it stops being healthy conversation when one of your fans or supporters shows up in in militia gear with it with it with an assault rifle and it's like to me i just don't I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of the, 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 the what's aboutism of going, well, I, some, I think that you, uh, I, Oh, you, you and your white savior complex. And it's like, I would love it if people stopped being murdered. And then you put a microphone in someone's face. That's, that's a white supremacist. Go, do you agree with that? And they're like, well, no, hold on. Let's have a debate. And it's like, you know, fuck you, man. The time for debate is way over. It's, it's been over. And, and, and I think you bring up something that's important, Dave. I, I, you know, I I think, and, and and what I appreciate about the work and the conversation here and now is, you know, for a very long time, the black community has had to talk about blackness, but I don't think the majority of white of the white communities have talked about whiteness. Um, like when I hear people see when I hear people talk about I don't see color. Right. And granted, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen certain, certain specific black folks who maybe aren't from America use that language. And it's like the, it, that's an asinine argument for anything, um, because I, I very much know that you are white people. Like, because I can <laughs> I fortunately have I've been blessed with the privilege of having vision. And so yeah. with that, it, it means I get to acknowledge that as part of your person. It doesn't mean I, I demonize you for it. It means that I'm very con. I'm, I'm I'm conscious of what that means and how you show up in the world. The same way I'm very conscious of when I look in the mirror, I'm a black man, 
And I think a lot of folks, whether it's, we all cling to something at some point in time. Some, some of us cling to our masculinity. Some of us cling to the identity of what being a woman or what being a femme means. I think some folks cling to whiteness and what whiteness means and like having to unpack that and also having to be very honest about the history of America without adding any sort of revisionist language to it, right? When we talk about how America, American capitalism was built, it was built on the backs of enslaved peoples. It was built mm-hmm. on the backs of cotton. The cotton gin essentially brought back the American economy, which then allowed the opportunity for America to thrive after the, 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 the American Revolution. We're looking at a, a system that was built on the, black, on the backs of black persons and black bodies. And America hasn't reconciled that yet. You know, and until America reconciles the dirt under its soil, whether it's the stealing of land from indigenous peoples, whether it's the internment of the Japanese camps. And a lot of that is unfortunately attached to whiteness because white individuals have tended to have the power in when it comes to the majority of how we operate and function as an American society and democracy. Until we can start unpacking that and having real conversations about what that means um, without the defensiveness involved in it, because when, when I, I have privilege, Joel Leon has privilege because I'm a man. Granted, I'm a black man, but I have able-bodied privilege. I have male privilege, right, in a way that allows me to show up in spaces. Now, whether even with Stevie being a white woman, I'm still a man, right? There's still ways that I get to show up in certain environments that might not be at risk to my life, right? Like I think it's fair to make that statement, mm-hmm. but. Until we acknowledge our privileges and work through them and work through the trauma that is steep in our privileges and our access to privilege, the more we're going to have to keep having conversations with these dumb motherfuckers about white supremacy and like defending what the Confederate flag means or doesn't. It's like, I'm, I'm not even having conversations with these people anymore. My job and what I feel like our job with the movement is to have conversations with folks who are willing and wanting to do the work. Our job is not to convert racists into anti-racists. Our job is to take the anti-racists and give them bigger bullhorns. Mm, I, I love that. Wow. Take the anti-racists. Say that one more time, that last part. Take the anti-racism. <laughs> so it, our, our job is not, me personally, I don't think our job in the movement is to, is to convert racists into mm-hmm. anti-racists. Our job is to give anti-racists bigger bullhorns. I think love that louder. We have to be more aggressive. We have to continue to do the work. We have to keep our foot on their necks. Like we have to keep shouting Breonna Taylor's name until all three of those officers are arrested for her murder. You know, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about the abolition of the police force, it's not about there's no police and then the world is over. It's about how do we find ways to take the funding the same way we've defunded education the same way we defunded arts in, in, in public schools and in, mm-hmm. in marginalized communities. The same way we've defunded all these programs that essentially been a benefit to communities while at the same time giving more money to the military, creating yeah. a fucking space, whatever the fuck that means. Instead of doing all that and finding more positive, appropriate means to address trauma in communities. So, if yeah. a person with a mental health disorder is in the streets, or if a person is sleeping in their car because they're intoxicated and they don't want to get on the road and they wind up dying instead, instead of having police officers show up, we have folks who are steeped in the work of whether it be sobriety or mental health work 
to show up for this person, maybe give them a ride home. Maybe make sure they're not dead at the end of this altercation. That is the work. And American democracy is scared to do that work because for some reason or another, American America has decided that the work and the empowerment of marginalized peoples will come at the the, the uh, disproportionate effect and loss of whiteness, which is not true. I think yeah. this is like when you look at Birth of the Nation, whatever, whatever film or stories we've told, there's always this fear of like back of black backlash to an uprising of a marginalized community, which is not going to happen. We could care less. We just want equity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so funny that white people are so terrified of what it would mean if the black community was equal to us, as if as if there would be any detriment to white people whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and it's, and it's interesting to, I, I, God, your, your point of, um, and I, I, it's not that I never thought about it this way, but I guess I always just get so furious online that I want to, I want to, you know, uh, uh, trap a, a, a conservative shitbag in a room with like a naked light bulb until they admit that black lives matter. But it's, but I think to your, I think it's, 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 way more it's a way more productive use of everyone's time to take the people who have unconscious bias who who but who are for the cause and just say here's how you might be thinking of it differently i mean i know for I, you know i'm not centering myself in the conversation as being like well i'm perfect and i'm going to help other people be perfect but i'm saying there's there's i think the fact that i mean what's a good example we the blind spots that some of us have that are that are a little bit more that that feel like that Bradley Whitford uh, get out gif of I would have voted for Obama a third term if I could of that that like <laughs> da- dangerous version of it not dangerous version of a liberal liberal but like a liberal who said well how could I possibly be racist and it's like I think the kind of language that you that you you are suggesting using and the kind of reform that we need like just going back to your your ted talk and you just discussing what the phrase co-parenting means and what communities use the phrase co-parenting and what Mm -hmm. other communities use in place of it it's 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 a power it's such a powerful statement in its not simplicity is the wrong word but it's like i think that it it can kind of be used as an example for a lot of things happening now where you you the things that people either don't know or phrases that people misuse or the, even the fact that today is, is Juneteenth and there are so many people who don't know what that means, never cared to learn. We're not taught it in school. I mean, the, like people are saying, Oh, I learned about uh, Juneteenth from, from this documentary. or I learned about it a month ago. Uh, I'm not special that I learned about it from an episode of Atlanta from two years ago. Like, am I, am I safe from scrutiny because, Oh, well I learned about it in 2018. I'm 36 years old. Like it should have, you know, it, it brings me the same amount of, uh, of, of, of distress when I think about, you know, the way Thanksgiving is taught in elementary schools. It's like, this is American history. And everybody's saying, "Oh, I learned about the Tulsa the Tulsa massacre from from mm-hmm. the first episode of Watchmen. Yeah. Watchmen came out in 2020. This yeah. is this is so so. I think um I, I don't know. I just t- to your point, I think it's I think it is interesting to think about. You know, you're done with those people. You're done with those with the, with with MAGA people. And it's like I I want a 
beautiful fake idealized view of the world where where all the people who have their heads on straight are are uh magically converting the minds of people whose brains have been poisoned by Fox News and hatred and their grandparents and their parents but taking and taking someone who's not racist and making them a vehement militant anti-racist is is I mean that feels so much more powerful to me and I I I'm I'm grateful for 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 having that language now well I mean and, and you know and and I think to be fair Dave like you know like it was a conversation that um Tennessee Coates had um, with uh, um Isra Klein, Dave. I think, about and, and he was basically saying like how hopeful he was, which is something I would can you, never expect Tennessee to 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 speak on. But he's Yes. But this moment does feel very different. But I will say, I mean, like in in, in if, Wait, if you can Buddhism hear him? has taught me anything, granted, I'm not a practicing Buddhist per se, but I think that the, the language of the Dharma has spoken very much to me, not just in this time, but for a lot of the work I've been able to do as far as an artist and, and, and my artistry is concerned, it's the idea that there, there there is some level of dukkha, right? Dukkha is suffering, and there's going to be some level of that. We've this we've never we've never not known suffering in this world, you know. Whether it like even before there was some idea of race, when you look at the Bible, right? Like whether that's a true story or a beautiful beautifully crafted fairy tale sponsored by the by by King James, like there's still the idea that there are suffering in, in the world and there are those who are fighting wars about it or fight like whatever the case might be. So I always think there's going to be some level of folks who are going to be questioning, who are going to want to challenge systems, who are going to want to keep themselves in power, who are in fear of losing power and all that is always steeped in ego. So when I see the work of um, Trump supporters or whomever, it's because there's a way of life that they've grown accustomed to, that they love, that they've revered, whether it be something that they've been taught in their school systems. When we look at, you know, when I grew up in school, we talked about Columbus. Like, I'm 37 now, right? Like, there was no, we didn't, we talked about Columbus and Thanksgiving in a way that was very positive. It was like, we had to sing the song, like, you know, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, ocean blue. We knew the names of the fucking boats. You know what I'm saying? You didn't know the names of any of the indigenous people that were murdered in order to in order to obtain the land. That's not no. that's not what American school systems taught us. That's not what they're teaching now. When you look at Texas, I think Texas has banned a few of um of, of Tony Morris's books, certain districts in Texas, because of the of of the language they're using. And it's like Tony Morris, really? Yeah, but I mean part of that is because again, it's like it's erasure. You know, like when you still have monuments that are that, that that celebrate the Confederacy and still treat the Civil War as if it was some level of like Southern pride, as opposed to a fight to continue to keep enslaved peoples um, on on stolen land in order to keep um, the e- economy thriving, right? Then then it, it 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 makes perfect sense because telling the truth about America then means we have to tell the truth about everything else. It means we have to be honest about everything else. And it means we also have to start detaching how we view ourselves and how we view American democracy and America as the superpower and as the greatest first world nation in the world. Like we have to start really unpacking that. And it will require a person who is racist to be honest about what that racism is steeped in. And a lot of people aren't doing the shadow work to do that, you know? Um, and I don't know if a lot of people will be ready to do that. Ever, if at all, 
you know, there's a reason why David Dukes of the world exists. There's a reason Ugh. why Governor Wallace's of the world existed. And a lot of that is because racism is not just steeped in, 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 in power dynamics and classism. It's also steeped in ego and, and really in power and who has power and who doesn't and who doesn't want to lose their power. And in, and, and in an effort to sustain that, will continue to keep marginalized people under their feet. Yeah, man. I mean, like, look, that the idea of that idea of, I mean, ego death as it stands is is just and and I it's not that I I don't have an ego, but I think I have less of a. I think the people who have that level of competitiveness who do the who who fly an American or a Confederate flag proudly, not that they're the same, obviously, but the 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 idea of oh we're the greatest first world nation of the world. It's like I. If you, you know, it's like if you, uh, if you, if you, if you cover, if you have a, if you have a nice view, but there's like a, 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 a dumpster in part of the view and you cover that part with your thumb, you're like, hey, this is the greatest view of the entire world. Or like, this is the greatest view anyone's ever seen. But it's like, yeah. I, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's shocking what people aren't willing to give up or want, aren't willing to concede in the name of progress. And mm-hmm. I, um, and I just, I, I think there's been, a lot of amazing stuff brought up today, but it's, it's just, I think what feels the most hopeful, but also the, the thing that makes me feel the craziest is that it is radical work that needs to be done and is being done. And, and there, there is a, a lot that, you know, white people need to ask each other to do, but I also, it just doesn't feel that it doesn't feel like that big of an ask. You know, I, when I, especially when I hear, you know, especially any all lives matter person, it really feels like you cannot show up and deliver the bare minimum and just agree with this three word statement, which is asking almost nothing. And it's symbolic to me. It's just, it's just telling that anyone would come back and with any response other than yes. (laughs) You think black, you think black lives matter? Well, hang on a second. It's like, hang on a second, motherfucker start showing up or i mean life is changing rapidly without you and you know I, he's not ancient but david duke's gonna be dead um <laughs> yeah uh joel i i i i want to try this one more time uh stevie texted me in the middle of this and said can you hear joel i can't hear him so i feel like Zencaster has maybe failed us one more time. Stevie, are you there? And if you are, can you hear us? I'm here, and I can only hear you, Dave. Joelle is is blank blank for me. So, yeah, it's nice. She's not even... Oh, my goodness. Okay, so here's what's happening. Stevie can hear me, and I can hear you, but you guys can't (laughs) hear each other, which is insane. So Stevie's laughing, which means she's being recorded. This is fucking... This is absolutely wild. Uh, Joelle, I, I, I feel like... This is such an awful recording to be cursed because it's one of my, I, I mean, it's one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. And I'm saying oh, that like, yeah. usually I, I wait until, until the outro to, to make a judgment call like that. But I just, I feel like what this, what this glitch means is that we're, you're going to, if you will, if you want to, because there's a lot more to discuss. Uh, I feel like I would love to treat this as a part one. If yeah. you ever have any time in the future to come back, I would love you to. Yeah. I want to talk about food the next time. Like, you know, for some people, like the, the, the Zoom conversations, the IG lives, the podcast, like this is my purpose. This is my work. You know, I'm an artist first and foremost. 
by 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 far. But I'm a black man, and and I'm here. The work for me is about having the talks and having the hard conversations, and also aligning with folks who are willing to do the work. And you and Stevie have given me the space to 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 kind of talk and share my experience. So by all means, yeah. Part two, I would love that. This has been great. Amazing. Well, cause so for, in my opinion, I feel like part two could be more about food. And honestly, <laughs> I, I do want to talk about parenting and yeah. I do, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I don't think that any conversation like this needs to be even slightly scary or, or intimidating to for anyone to listen to or for anyone to engage with, because I mean, I'm no, I'm not in, I'm not, I'm not trying to snag a humanitarian award when I'm saying like people are people, man. Like we, it's just, I, I think that unconscious bias aside, it's like, I, I just think that if more conversations like this that are sprawling, that do touch on a lot of stuff can happen and maybe can happen without the use of a, a glitchy recording program that, that is, is giving us nothing but problems. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I think, the real work is happening on the streets. The real work is happening uh, uh, by emailing lawmakers and congressmen and, and calling people and doing boots on the ground activism, but just having conversations that might open someone's eyes to something that they maybe never even thought of in their entire life. Yeah. Uh, and not because they're a bad quote unquote bad person or a bigot because they have unconscious bias and because they have white privilege that they have been, uh, exercising whether yeah. they are uh, whether they have uh, a full knowledge that they're doing it they're still doing it um i i um i i, I don't want to sign off for stevie but i just want to say because you guys can't hear each other uh I, i'm grateful to to both of you for meeting so i could then in part meet you uh I, listeners wait listen look out for part two and we will have fixed whatever audio issues we're having today but i still think no matter what this was an amazing uh, episode can you um would you be able to and i know that th there's a lot of places people can find you but <laughs> are there some resources that you can share that maybe uh, uh or, or like a website that is the best way to get kind of the full um uh, breadth of your of your work I mean, I, I generally tell people they to find me on, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, J-O-E-L-A-K-A-M-A-G, Joel, A-K-A, Mag. Mag used to be my rap name. So hence, again, the recovering rapper. Um, <laughs> and now if you want to see my work, if you're in New York, head to 41st and 7th um, Street Twitter. Twitter has a nice, beautiful uh, a billboard up of, of one of my tweets that I this little uh, kid from the Bronx is very uh, proud of. Um, but also, and, and, and I think I want to make this clear too, because I think you brought something that's super important, Dave. Like I, I too have biases, like we all do. And I think the more we can recognize our privileges and our biases, the easier it becomes for us to be less defensive about the work that's required in order to detach ourselves from them. Um, like I am a man, but what does a man mean? That means I get to unpack that. I'm a black man. What does that mean? Me asking why allows me the opportunity to unpack that. Dave is a white man. What does that mean? Dave is Jewish. What does that mean? Like the more we get to question the ways that we've been told we have to show up in the world based on our identities, the easier it becomes for us to unpack that so we can do the real work of loving each other in a way that's real, that's tangible, and that's effective to really being able to decolonize and deconstruct systemic racism and oppression. So that's what my work is steeped in. That's what my creative practice is steeped in. Um, and I, I, 
I love you both and I'm thankful. So yeah, part two, excited for it. But yeah, just find me on Instagram and Twitter, Joel, aka MAG, doing the work. Well, I'll, all our listeners will be going there, I'm sure, right now, as soon as you said that. Th- uh, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry this was glitchy, but it was it was extremely valuable, and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. No problem. I appreciate you, Dave. Love you, Stevie. Pretty amazing, huh? I love him. <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. I I'm so grateful for you to uh, for you to you for introducing uh, me to him. And while while I can't say I'm a friend of the program Zencaster right now, I am a friend of Joel. Yeah, I am also a friend of Joel. Um, yeah, I I just think he's wonderful. Something something that I always pull away from every conversation I have with him which can be referring to this one or any of the texts we send or anything is that that man operates from love. And I love that. He's like, I love the thing where he said, like, I don't debate with people who aren't interested in debating. Like I don't, I don't argue with people who are not open-minded. I'd rather like promote the people who are already anti-racist and give them a bigger platform. And I was like, Oh man, that's awesome. That was really uh, and, and, you know, you can hear it in the episode for me, but that really kind of was a big eye opener to me because there has been a, just a lot of I spent a lot of time being really, really, really angry yeah. in the past few months and, and, and years also too, just conservative pundits and people spouting hate speech and white supremacy. Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously that my my job as someone who is uh, uh, privately angry at those people forever will never end. But. The idea of him saying he wants to amplify yes. voices, not dissenting voices, but he wants to give a bigger bullhorn to anti-racists and not engage as much with people whose minds aren't going to be changed. Yes. It's kind of mind-blowing to me because, you know, it's I It's not see- what anybody in the comedy community does. Everyone just like shits on Trump all day long, right? Yep. But it doesn't really further the conversation. Like, no. it's also honestly like to me, black and white thinking, like calling someone a fucking asshole or that guy's the worst person on earth. To me, black and white thinking is very pl- like problematic. And I like it doesn't work for me. Like, I don't I I don't see the point in doing it anymore. Like, I'm like, I'd rather just like give you guys information that will help you take action than ever just like call someone an asshole and that person's an asshole and that person's an asshole. You could spend all day doing that. You can and and some do. And I certainly have spent a full day here and there during this whole time being so furious. And honestly, who does that help? It doesn't, you know, we could be, we, you know, we, we have a food podcast. We could amplify, you know, um, an organization or, or a chef that's preparing yeah. meals for protesters or, or is going into low income neighborhoods and, and creating, you know, food programs if they're if they're in a food desert where there's not a grocery store for miles. I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head of yes. all of the things that are more positive than saying, you know, what kind of asshole I hate. I hate I this know. video I saw. I mean, um, yeah, because yeah. it's like imagine. OK, at least in my experience, like not that I have them, but like on dating apps, for example, if someone puts if someone puts like in their before anything else, they put like pet peeves. I'm immediately like, I don't like that person because that person reads as negative to me. And granted, there's a lot to be negative about, but like, I prefer a person who puts like the things they like, the things that makes them tick, the things that they're passionate about. It's a lot more attractive and it also gets a lot more done. Um, 
Also, Dave, speaking of, do you remember how on two episodes ago we talked about Obet and Dell's, the coffee shop, um, the Black-owned and Filipino-owned coffee shop that's in Thai Town? Yes. I can't stop going. <laughs> you started going. Okay, because we said we were going to go, and then I just I, – I, I have um, – just I need to just admit this before you and our audience yeah. and and our Christian God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't <laughs> I don't drink coffee. That's okay. They have other things. Do they have like a like a matcha tea or like a yerba mate or something like that? They have a special drink that they make that's like unique to them. It's a plant-based Thai iced tea. So it's made with oat milk and all these like spices and herbs and um I got it this morning. It is, and I got it iced. Ooh. It is so refreshing. It's so good. It's much lighter than other Thai iced teas. Like, you know how sometimes you drink a Thai iced tea and you're like, I am full. Like, it's I'm good like for the day. Yeah, yeah, it's like too much. This is like lightly sweetened and it's kind of light in general. And it's a very refreshing summer drink. And I say, I'm saying all this because A, I personally, like when I follow through, I'm like, oh my gosh, following through feels so good um, and feels like a very esteemable act. But also like that is a really small thing you can do in your own community. There are so many apps out there and we like listed a few on the past episode um, that you can go and find a black owned business in your neighborhood and start frequenting it instead of another like corporation or a place, another place. And that's a really good way to be like actively putting your money in a place that supports the black community. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll send a, a shout out to Bloom and Plume, which I think we also mentioned on our previous episode, yes. a black owned, a black owned Los Angeles coffee shop. I'm not sure if they are open for, for dining or anything, but uh, my girlfriend ordered yeah. merch from them. So she has a mug oh. and a, and a t-shirt that are both really really oh the t-shirt sold out i <laughs> just went to the website it is um, well there's the, the t-shirt she got is sold out but they have um they have oh my god there's one that's uh it's a fist clutching a clutching a rose there's a long sleeve like kind of neon shirt uh the yeah. hat sold out but they have mugs they do have other shirts they have hoodies oh man they have oh shit okay sorry What's sorry that? to do this what? in real time they have a long sleeve tie-dyed t-shirt that says thirst come thirst served and uh-uh. It, uh-uh. It's, it's fucking amazing. Okay. All right. Uh, so listeners go to bloom and plume coffee.com. B L O O O sorry. B L O O M and P L U M E coffee.com. Uh, that's just like a shout out off the top of my head. And also Odette and Dells is the name. Yeah. Obet. I know oh, it's, comp- I know every time I do it because of the D in the Dells, I'm like, yeah, so it's Obet, O-B-E-T and Dells, D-E-L-S or apostrophe S. Um, Obet and Dells. And it's a really, really cute, very welcoming, beautifully um, like curated, but also not too curated, like just really beautiful. And also on the weekends, they have incredible um, pastries too. Damn. Okay. I want to go really get good. that Thai iced tea. I honestly will meet you there anytime. Um, <laughs> I will. I, it's really good and it's really walkable. Like it's especially walkable for me. That's yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's in the hood. It's in the hood. And, um, I was going to say, oh, we can walk our dogs there, but I don't have a dog, but I did just foster a dog for two days. You got him, ado- uh, her adopted? I got her. She was <gasps> instantly adopted. Yeah. She, oh. she, uh, it was a little bittersweet because she is truly one of the most beautiful, but also fascinating looking dogs I've ever seen. She's the total 
I I didn't get a ton of uh, straight answers from the rescue, but she <laughs> has the, she has wild eyes. She was definitely found on the street because they shaved her whole. She's like a border collie shepherd mix. So she's got fluffy uh, legs and a tail, but her whole back was totally shaved, but growing back in. So she must have gotten into some kind of mischief. I truly heard her bark twice. She was extremely quiet. Uh, She had trouble (laughs) turning around. So she would back up like a car, like going in reverse everywhere she walked. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is so cute. It was it was it, it really, I think, revved me up for for uh, adoption. So I do feel like a lot of the kind of threads we're 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 pulling in, in this season yeah. of the show are coming are coming together or evolving. Um, that was amazing. Uh, we, you know, we got some. Good you know, for you, Dave. That's like a really nice little action you can take right now. I like that. Yeah, and I got to keep doing it too because these 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 places, uh, they you know they're they used to be out of dogs, you know, because people were snatching them up. But I think. The more that people go outside, even as much as I would like them to not go outside, are going outside. They're they're adopting dogs less, so there's still dogs in your local rescue. Everybody, um, yeah. And hey, speaking, Dave. Oh yeah. Really quick side note: I am looking at Bloom and Plume right now, and they do have a mint green shirt with um, a fist and a flower that says "I am somebody," and I have to get it. Get it. Is that the one? 100- Hannah. Is that the one Hannah got? She got the one that's sold out. That's the short sleeve shirt with the with the rose and the fist. That's that's kind of smaller. Yeah, that's the one I that's the one I want. And it's, oh, they the have green it. one. Yeah. Wait, why am I clicking? And it says sold out. I don't know. I have it in my cart. They have it. I'm clicking on it. And it literally says sold out. You might have gotten the absolute last one. The teal one. Uh, let's see. It's like a. It's like a. <laughs> this is very funny. It's like a lavender fist with. A- oh no 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 no! Yeah, the one the one right under that that has like it's. <laughs> this is horrible for our. Uh, I'm sorry, listeners. This is but, awful. But, what are but we doing? If, if you're hearing us do this, go to the website and do it with us in real time. <laughs> you can look and see what merchandise that's. I mean, it's just. The reason we're looking at it is because the website's beautifully made and the merch is extremely yeah. well well crafted. Wait, so what so- one did she get? I don't see it there. It's the one right below that that says sold out. It's uh, it's called Serving Black Excellence. Oh, amazing. Wow. These shirts are incredible. Yeah, it's they're really good. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and, uh, listeners. No, no, no. Look, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I really do think that it, you can treat this as an interactive piece. You can go yeah. to this website in real time, bloomandplumecoffee.com, and look at all this merch. <laughs> In time with us, I and, and that's my justification for saying we're not wasting the listeners' time at all. <laughs> no, no, that's um, true. Uh, I so I have another little uh, thread to bring back from our show. Okay, you know how I have uh, for the last couple of weeks been saying I I look forward to being wrong. Yes, always. Me too. I was wrong also. Well, we are both wrong. Okay, uh, we have a listener. <laughs> we have a we have a wonderful, loyal listener named Georgia from Canada, okay. mm-hmm. and we started talk. We started popping off about Canada, okay. and talking about how <laughs> we started talking about their snacks. We started talking about. Well, here I'm just going to read her her message. Uh, do. I promised. I promised um, a five dollar Venmo, which she denied because Canada doesn't have Venmo. But I got a message last week saying. <laughs> And so it was funny because it was the day that the episode came out. So she was listening and then just said, I got to set this guy straight, which I appreciate. Georgia says, nobody in Canada says provisions unless it's in a serious matter, like on the Canadian (laughs) food chart, or maybe if a summer camp was deciding how much food they were going to need. Ha ha ha. 
but no regular person uses that word. I listen to so many podcasts from LA and I love when I can tell you something. I did not know what L- what LaCroix was until I started listening to podcasts. So that says a lot. Anyway, have a great day. Thank you for the good content always. But then she also goes on to say another, which I think what happened is she said that, kept listening and then heard us be wrong again. So she said, another thing is that not everywhere... <laughs> Not everywhere has milk in a bag. Not where I live, at least. Here, Saskatchewan, they come in cartons. Another thing is that we don't have Chick-fil-A, and I know they're homophobic, but I'm gay, and they have the best chicken burger ever. Oh, <laughs> oh! another thing is we call them chicken burgers, not chicken sandwiches, and Marlboros and menthol cigarettes are legal here. Then she says, one more thing is that Jewel Pods here have a toxic warning and symbol on the front, and in the United States, there is no warning. OMG. Okay, one last thing. All of our cigarette boxes have super graphic warnings on them. I'll send a picture. And oh, wow, I never opened the picture until being on the air. Oh, man. So what I'm looking at is a picture saying, I wish I had never started smoking. It's a man who looks to be in his 50s. This is on the box. This is literally on a a box of cigarettes. Okay. It's a quote from a man named Leroy. I was diagnosed with cancer of the larynx when I was 48. I had to have my vocal cords removed, and now I breathe through a hole in my throat. Leroy. And he has a giant uh, tracheotomy hole in his neck. Dude, whoa. That's amazing. Also, ev- we should do that in America, though Americans are afraid of everything. Yes, I've seen uh, other countries. I've seen that uh, too. I, I, uh, I, I, I've mentioned having a a, a a situation with somebody from Australia, and uh, she brought cigarettes to to America, and the and the warning warning pictures are truly disgusting, like pictures of lungs wow. and stuff. I mean, I was, I never, I wasn't going to start smoking before and I'm certainly not going to start smoking now, but no, uh, same. I, I've never even never, I think I've smoked like eight cigarettes in my entire life. I've, I've probably smoked less, but, uh, but, but I, I see, I see why people like them, but I personally do not enjoy them. And, uh, the health risks are just off the charts. It's wild. Mm -hmm. It's wild. It's wild for a thing to do in the, in 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, wild. You watch enough uh, detective movies from the 70s and you're like, maybe cigarettes are cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, uh, definitely. Yeah. They they definitely are pitched to be cool, but I can't get, um, on, can't get on board. Stevie, this has been uh, a, 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 one of our longer episodes, so I think we should wrap up. I, I, do, I do just want to say... Um, and it's, it's evident in the conversation, but my brain was kind of on fire when we were talking to Joel, he, he is just, um, and and to your point of, you know, he engages, uh, from a place of love. It's just so, um, it's, it was just such an interesting perspective. And I, and when I say that, I mean, like I have kind of been coming at the situation from a place of, of righteous or not, uh, anger. And I felt, I, I felt his, his open heartedness and I felt, and, you know, and that's kind of why I, we had some 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 notes for the episode and we kind of strayed away from them just because every place the conversation went, I, I just wanted to hear him speak more. And so I just um, I don't know, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. This really felt like a special one to me. And because, you know, it opened my eyes uh, in, in ways that are definitely not being opened on on Twitter, which is a place that I really need to spend less time at. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter's dark. I actually set my timer for I was thinking about logging off Instagram for like a week or so, but instead I just like moderated it. I set my timer for 20 minutes and uh it's 2:45 or 
you know, PM um, in the afternoon as we're recording this. And I've already hit my 20 minutes, like five minutes ago. So I'm done for the day. I'm just like, I can't do social media to excess right now. It's a lot. I think that's, well, it's good to not be able to do that. I, I've been uh, staying off Instagram a bunch, but I, Twitter's, Twitter's a hard one for me to quit because it, I, I feel like I find information. You know, I was talking to my brother and I was thinking about, you know, the Trump's rally and there's this whole, you know, when this episode comes out, it'll have been old news, but yeah, K-pop, Twitter, Korean pop fans have, have driven up the expectation for the amount of people that were going to be at his Tulsa rally. So and, funny. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm for the first person to admit, I didn't fully understand how it worked i was like well i don't understand if they bought all the tickets wouldn't there be people lining up to get in who were like we can't get in it's sold out and then they would say here's your ticket and my brother was very smartly like here i'm going to send you a thread and the thread is just like yeah it drove up the expectations so they they set more space aside and more chairs and (laughs) you know and i went oh and it's true i mean that's not something i would have probably learned on instagram but uh, no i I probably could have read it in an article but Lord knows I'd rather read a 25 tweet long thread about it. I mean, it is more interesting, but also, yeah. Dave, we got to get out of here. Let's get the heck out of here, Steve. Listeners, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Email us at ibrideverythingpod at gmail.com. Continue to message us on Instagram if we're wrong about something. Because oh, yes. like Because like Georgia, uh, you guys know more than than us. And, and I yes. think that we will constantly create the space to admit when we're wrong because i gotta say it feels good we were happy to be wrong i was so wrong about provisions um (laughs) please let us know when we're wrong we will send you five dollars if you are correct and we are wrong and if you live in the united states where venmo exists we'll send you five dollars and yeah call us 213-458-5236 if you want to pop off um <laughs> pop off with us uh you know uh, uh, thank you to Joel leon a, a special uh chastising to zencaster the program that has kept our show afloat for the last three months but is also really acting up zencaster what is going on please if you're he- if you're listening and you're a sentient please being help us know us. Why, why are you trying to sink our ship baby um We'll be back next week with another all new episode. I'm I'm in a weird mood. I got to get out of here. Thanks for talking to me, Stevie. I love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Com. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. Yes, I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire. <laughs>